on today's show, Mike Prue is going to join us in studio, and we're going to review and discuss the Suicide Squad movie. Because critics have flagged this movie as terrible. Are what they saying a crock? Is the movie a dead shot in the arm for the DC Cinematic Universe? And on the final countdown, Mike, KB, and I are going to rank our top three antiheroes. Who made the list? Find out as we suicide with the bad guys on this episode of Free Your Geek. By the power of Grayskull, I You have failed this city. Torpentine! Winter is coming. Finish him! Fatality. All my friends are heathens, take it slow. Seriously. Wait for them to ask you who you know. What the hell's wrong with you people? Please don't make any sudden moves. That's a good idea, honey. You don't know the half of the ability. I can't wait to show you my toys. All my friends are heathen, take it slow.
That's not what they really said. And welcome to Free Your Geek. I am your host, Jay Free. To my right, KB. What is up? What is up? I think I'm going to start calling you Cables now. Cables? Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's a comic term and just like, uh, it's, you know, kind of like Tenacious D. It's uh, JB. They call him Jables. I'll call you KB to Cables, then just shorten that to Cable like the X-Men. I think that's what I'm going to start calling nah, you. Yeah, it's cheating. <laughs> it's cheating. Okay. KB, that's enough out of you. We're going to go to my left. Uh, enough out of you to my left, Mike Prue. What Hello. is up, dude? How you How doing, man? I'm good. good. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming back. Couldn't so, wait to come back. Yeah. Um, Mike was on one of the episodes. We did an all-star team-up where we talked about old-school ECW from the wrestling perspective. Uh, KB could not be here that week, so uh, Mike graciously sat in. So now he's making a return as instead of a co-host this time, he's going to be our guest so officially, as a guest, welcome to Thank Free Geek. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. So, and at the top of the show, that music, that, the way you edited that, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to do, we got another one during the break. So the first uh, opening, that was uh, 21 Pilots, and that was a song called Heathens from the Suicide Squad soundtrack. We're going to be talking a lot of Suicide Squad on today's episode. Um, but first, but first, but first, we want to get a little bit of, uh, get to know Mike, because we didn't really get into it in the last show. So let's just... Just give us some background on yourself, Mike. Uh, what are you a geek for? What things are you passionate about, and how long have they been passions of yours? All right, so if any listeners know, I'm from the Hurricane Rana podcast, so obviously wrestling is a great passion of mine, and that's been something that's been part of my life, you know, these 33 years that I've been on this earth. <laughs> and in addition to that, of course, I'm into comics, into video games, into movies, TV series, I mean, the whole gambit of things. I'm all into it. The um, whole geek yeah, nice. world. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and uh, is there a specific uh, favorite comic that either from your childhood or now or, or any time in between? It's always been Batman. Batman. Okay. Yeah. Which Anything Batman. You're wearing the old school Batman symbol, the, the yellow uh, right. oval with the bat symbol on it. Yep. Love it. It's classic. Yeah, 1989 Batman yeah. movie. Tim Burton style. Yep. I was like, besides the Superman movie, that was kind of like the movie, like that got like that yeah. kind of got the ball rolling for this whole comic book superhero movie thing. I mean, granted, it was back in '89, but that's when you know superhero movies were few and far between. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like every every three or four months, there's another superhero movie coming out, right. which is awesome for for geeks yeah. like us. So, um, cool. So wrestling. How about video games? We we mentioned video games. Yeah, what? video games. Um, more so in. To like sports games, okay. Uh, not like Madden. a hardcore game. Yeah, Madden. Yeah. Not like a hardcore gamer where I'm playing all these shootems and gotcha, all gotcha. that. Do you have a particular system that's your favorite? I like, I like the PlayStation Four right now. PS Four. Okay. I have both uh, Xbox One okay. and PlayStation Like KB. 4, KB is a, a mad gamer over here. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's yeah he's really into like more than I am. I mean I like I like the popular stuff, the superhero stuff. I, I dabble with shooters, but and sometimes I'll talk him into a, a game that he's like, eh, I'm not sure. I'm like, no, buy it. Like Fallout Four. Yeah, Fallout Four. He, he was, forever. He's he like, oh no, no. I'm like, I was dude, like, oh, I didn't yeah, that's, that's the game I keep hearing about all the time, yeah, yeah. and I haven't dived into it yet. It's, it's I'm afraid great. to dive into games now at this point because it's going to take up so much of my time. Well, and I yeah. know it will. Now that you when in the yeah. So what I'd recommend is next summer when you have some free time. Stop that's that's when you yeah. get jump right in. Yep. Speaking of jumping right in, let's jump right in to some industry news. And since this is going to be more heavily based on the Suicide Squad movie, I got one little piece of news also revolving around superhero movies. 
But the uh, Den of Geek is reporting uh, that there's a deal that's been made with Marvel and Fox for the rights to Fantastic Four. So apparently, uh, Fox is being allowed to develop the Legion and Hellfire TV shows. It looks like that. Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, The Thing, and Human Torch, and presumably all the characters associated with them uh, will return home. So this was a rumor a couple weeks ago. I found this. Um, we didn't get a chance to mention it in the last show. Um, it says that there's a mystery uh, 2020 Marvel movie that was announced along with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Apparently, Fantastic Four is going to be one of those movies. Um, there has been an update to this rumor. Uh, they asked for more clarification from the source. And the way the uh, Den of Geek understands it, the Marvel deal that they've made with Fox will see the Fantastic Four return to the Marvel fold in exchange for the X-Men TV rights. And because of that, it's also going to include ancillary characters such as Galactus, Doctor Doom, and the Silver Surfer. So mm. if this rumor is true, it sounds like everything is going back to Marvel. And it's not necessarily the same deal that they had with Universal or Sony for... Spider-Man, because Sony's still going to be producing a separate Spider-Man movie that Marvel's going to have its hands in. This sounds more like the Fantastic Four is going over. And I don't know if you've seen any of the recent Fantastic Four movies. Um, I, I saw the one with Jessica Alba. I haven't seen the new one. Um, I, I heard it sucked, personally. Yep. But um, I haven't seen it. It just looks so god-awful. Like, I, I'll see anything. Yeah, I saw the trailer of that trailer of that one i was like i can't yeah i just and it's it funny just looked off awful Cause, yeah because you and i are both even if it's a bat like we saw batman versus yeah. superman like and that's getting awful reviews and that i was just like i was so disappointed by man of steel i was like oh, all right i'll give even batman versus yeah. superman another chance and i hated it and i saw that trailer and i was like there's no way there's yeah, this no is not way. working yeah. but but mike you saw you saw that, that yeah one? okay so as a fellow geek for kb and i we might just be you know, shooting off and, and giving a knee-jerk reaction uh, to it. But for somebody that saw the movie, is it as bad as we initially thought it was, or was it a decent flick? No, it's not decent. It, it's bad. It's bad. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's, it's Our bad geek as, sense worked. Yes. <laughs> well, I heard... And, and just the fact of knowing that it's not really related to the Marvel Universe, the, the cinematic kind of, universe, yeah. it turns you off right away, too, because you know there's no connection to anything. And it doesn't do the story justice. It's so many times that you see Fantastic Four being done over and over again. And even this seems like good news. I'm still afraid because they've ruined it so many times over and over again. And I'm a big Fantastic Four guy. I collect old comics from Fantastic Four. You know, within the first 100, I have I have about 20 of them. Nice. And That's cool. I'm always hoping that they do it justice and it just falls flat all the time. So hopefully here... You know, they, they do it well. So I got a question now. Being a Fantastic Four uh, aficionado, who's your favorite member of the Fantastic Four? Do you have a favorite? Mr. Fantastic. You Really? Yeah. See, uh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, I'm that's not. Interesting. I'm, it's not Human Torch. It's, it's, well, usually from what I find from a, from a guy's perspective, it's either Human Torch or the thing. Mr. Fantastic I always looked at. He's kind of like. The nerd. And, well, that, but he's and the one that holds it all together. pompous and he's kind of. I like arrogant. That. Okay, good. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> All right. I was always a Human Torch fan myself, um, and then of course, as going into adolescence, the Invisible Woman. Oh was, yeah, that's I always just like the thing. The th there you go. We could be yeah. three quarters of the Fantastic Four right here, and actually, in the other stool <laughs> the, is the Invisible, invisible Woman. woman. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so that's awesome. So it's Jay Free's date for the night. <laughs> it's my my date every night. Um, so that being said, so any other feelings on this? Um, what you think that could entail? Could we see the Fantastic Four in the Avengers before the solo Fantastic Four movie? I don't think so. Yeah, I, th I think they might wait a while. 
You think that it's gonna it's gonna? Yeah. I, I'm curious. I'm curious because you know the the whole idea is with Thanos invading, they're they're gonna need all hands on deck. If they have Fantastic Four back in the back in the fold now, they might they might be able to do something with it. Like he, they might be able to be a part of uh, part of that movie. I mean, I think it'd be just make sense. Like, what if Mister Fantastic decides to trap Thanos in the negative zone? That would be yeah. sick. That could be it could be a workaround on how to get rid of him rather than killing him, so he can eventually come back in the sequel. Who knows? But that's that's how I feel. I feel I think it's a good thing. Marvel right now has been taking everything that they've had, all these properties that people thought would fail or just be like, oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. It's going to be another. It's going to be the first Marvel failure. Oh, Ant Man. That's nobody's heard of Ant Man. Who mm-hmm. cares about that? And they're still churning out great movies. So with the Fantastic Four, if they have, if they get their hands on it. And if they have their input, I think, the limit. I think I think it's going to be another hit. I really do. Well, let's. I don't have a segue for that, but let's get into <laughs> our the the crux, the meat of today's show, and uh, we're going to talk about the Suicide Squad. But we're gonna we're gonna intro it as uh, the next episode. So the next episode, the next thing that we saw, and we have a little theme music for that, and it goes a little something I like this. Previously on Lost. My name is Barry Allen. The next episode where we discuss what we have just seen or something upcoming and because Last week, we saw KB and I went on a Thursday night showing of The Suicide Squad. Mike, you just watched it recently. Yep. And I want to discuss I want to discuss this because critics were panning it. Critics, uh, it was very mixed reviews. Fans seem to love it for the most part. Some fans think it's rushed. Uh, they're actually, I don't know if you guys have heard this, uh, the studio is getting sued by one particular fan because ap- apparently they were promised a lot more Jared Leto as the Joker and they did not deliver on that. <laughs> False advertising. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so there, somebody's all in a tizzy. But um, we'll start with our guest first, Mike. Uh, since you've seen it most recently, uh, what did you think of the flick? I loved it. Okay. Um, I went into it with kind of mixed emotions with all the, the hating that's been going on. That's what I'm reading about. And I tried to stay away from reading any of the re- reviews. I knew they were bad, and I just went into it with a clear mind. Like I'm going in. I don't care what these people say. You know, walk, I went in and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was much better, in my opinion, than Batman vs Superman. Better than Man of Steel. It was just a fun movie experience. Excellent, excellent. And uh, before KB and I get into it, I should warn. And thanks for not spoiling anything right there, Mike. Yep. I'm giving you guys five seconds. Spoilers in five, four, three, two, one. Anything after this? We see the Flash in his costume. <laughs> Speaking of Flash, looks awesome. KB, KB just jumped right in. I was going to say, you've been warned, but KB jumped the gun, kind of like the Flash. Hey, Got to be so, fast. So there were rumors already that Ben Affleck as Batman was going to be in the movie. Yep, yep. But in addition to that, we got a chance to see for a split second. Yes, we uh, got to see the Flash. Ezra, Ezra Miller, Ezra Miller as yep. the Flash. Yeah, so I think that's pretty cool. I think it, he captured Captain Boomerang, who is a Flash villain. So that makes sense. Costume looked pretty good. The costume yeah. looked awesome. And yep. he's going to get an upgrade, I believe, in the Justice League movie. Yep. So that was really cool. Affleck as Batman, he was in a couple of scenes, a couple he of scenes did all with right. Deadshot. I love I you know all right. for all the he's, hate that Batman versus Superman good. got. 
Uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman and Affleck as Batman, I thought they nailed those amazing. two parts. They did amazing. Yeah. So, you know, in a in a movie that was rushed, and we're going to get into this a little bit later, but I have a bunch of uh, some knowledge of a bunch of scenes that were cut because uh, Warner Brothers, after the movie was made and the trailer went out with the um, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, song playing in the background, fans actually reacted really positively to that, uh, thinking it was going to be more comedic, a la Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, Warner Brothers decided that, okay, if this is the way they're reacting, we need to do a bunch of more, uh, add more humor into it. We need to do a bunch of reshoots. So they cut a bunch of scenes that was actually making the film really, dark. really dark. And I have a, a couple of those scenes right there, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But I just wanted to mention that beforehand because the, the original tone of the film, it wasn't supposed to be as humorous as it was. And I didn't even think it I, I think it, they failed with the humor. I, I really didn't find any <laughs> of the humor really humorous. Like, they, I, I would have liked it if they kept it dark. That's just my opinion. There was a lot of attempts to be funny and sometimes did fall flat. Yeah. But like I said, with my kind of uh, semi-review of it, it was, it was a fun movie. Yeah. And I'm glad that they did that. I'm glad that they kind of kept it light and comedic because the last two movies, or I really, I felt <laughs> like I was doing work to watch those last two DC movies. That's Dragging through it. Great point. Yep. And this I, one, I could just sit back and watch it and it flew by. So, so for those that haven't watched it or those that have watched it and are listening to our review of it now, um, all the characters with the exception of uh, Deadshot and Harley Quinn and even to a lesser extent uh, Enchantress and, and Rick Flagg, very quick, brief introductions, quick backstories on them, um, you know, like Killer Croc, uh, Boomerang, Diablo, and then they expand a little bit as the story goes on, but they spent a lot of time with the backstory uh, of Deadshot and Harley Quinn specifically. Um, so it was really cool in the sense that like you, you were saying, Mike, it's not, they didn't treat you like an idiot. They showed a lot of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that were comic fans were subtle nods. Um, for example, in the backstory of Harley Quinn, they show her and the Joker at Ace Chemicals. If you're not familiar with how she became Harley Quinn, you didn't need that per se to realize like that's the same vat of acid that created the Joker. You know what I mean? Like there, there was some, it had Acme right there. Comic fans know the deal. They, they didn't spend a whole lot of time on that. So they could just kind of show that, give that, get that point and move right on to the next. They didn't drag out origin at all, which was good. Right. I mean, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, to compare it, not that you have that inevitable comparison to Marvel films. It's, it's, yep. it's, you don't you don't want to, and I'll even compare it to Batman versus Superman. I did so a little earlier. I thought it was way better than Batman versus Superman, and I don't want to compare them because I like them to be standalone movies. But when you look at what Marvel does, and they do all the characters first, they do Thor, they do Iron Man, they introduce Black Widow in Iron Man, they introduce Captain America, then the Falcon, and then they do an uh, Avengers movie, and they introduce Scarlet Witch, and they introduce... And the cast is getting bigger and bigger right, as we but get they, the Civil But they're War. not spending yeah. all this time on character development per se, or backstory, on each character in the Marvel universe because they do individual movies. So they don't have to. They're doing the reverse from the DC side. They're doing these big movies and then they're going to do individual. There's going to be a Harley Quinn individual movie. They're going to be doing Justice League. Then they're going to be doing a Flash movie. Then they're going to be doing an Aquaman do movie. You, do you know there's even talk of a Lobo movie? That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah, like um, there's a lot out there. So, but getting back on, on kind of on point here. The idea is they're doing things a little bass backwards in the fact that they're doing these big movies first and quickly trying to get you to, you know, fall in love with these characters and get behind the these uh, protagonists, and then but they're not giving you enough backstory to actually make them, like you you actually care about them. So, 
for people like the Croc, for people like Katana, things along that nature, they weren't given as much backstory as I would personally like, just to kind of because I do love all these characters, and I'm a big Batman fan as well. His his Rogues Gallery is amazing, and Croc is one of my favorites, and they didn't really touch too much about him. Um, I read that he wasn't even going to be in the movie originally. They were going to use King Shark mm-hmm. in that role. And it made sense because everything that Killer Croc did in the movie was King a King Shark, Shark thing. Yeah, could have done. Yeah, it was no. It's a, it's a really it was a really cool. And I think they tried to tie it to Batman. And like I said, I have some scenes actually that mention the Croc, and I'll go into that a little bit. But yeah, as far I mean, it, by no means is it going to win like an Oscar or something for best picture. But the action was amazing. Uh, the cinematography. And the plot, which was a little all over the place as far as, you know, rushing things and start and stop. Yes, it was, but it doesn't, for me, it doesn't take away from the uh, the enjoyment of the movie as much as, like, certain other things. Like, with the Batman versus Superman, again, that inevitable comparison, there were so many plot holes that I was like, what happened here? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing... Granted, the, the plot was pretty basic in Suicide Squad. But it stayed on track. But it stayed on track for yeah. the most part, you know? And people are inevitably going to compare it to Avengers, too, because they were saying, oh, you know, the Enchantress, again, spoiler alert, becomes the villain toward the first third of the movie. She becomes the antagonist, the, the villain that they have to stop. And she's turning regular citizens into these other creatures and and, and kind of like morphing them into these these creatures. And Rock that's heads. how. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how they got the PG-13 rating because you can't show another human being shooting shoot another head. human being because that's. But if it's some type of alien type thing, hey, that's a little bit more leeway. And that's why they're comparing it to the event, the first Avengers movie with the Chitari. And it's like, oh, OK, it's just alien type thing so they can kill them. Willy right. Alien. It's another like take over the world. Are we going to save the world type? Plot. Right. And I'm, I'm Do you think we're going to see Enchantress again. I hope so. I want to see. So spoiler alert, my favorite character in that movie, Diablo. And Good backstory in that. Movie. Great backstory. Yeah. They, they, they expand on it. They don't do too much in the beginning, but then they expand on it. And he died in the movie. Again, spoiler alert. But I would love to see more of that character because I think that's such a, a great archetype for a character. And the fact that he's uh, this archetype of this character is just he's he's a violent person. He has these powers. He loses his temper. He kills his family. He then becomes a pacifist for the most part and doesn't want to fight, but now he's forced to fight. I think that's just pretty cool like character development in that sense. I mean, Deadshot, Will Smith killed it, yeah. no pun intended. Yeah, he um, was awesome. He did a great job. I love the story with him, his daughter, Floyd Lawton. The scene with the uh, the shooting scene with, um, was it the Kanye West song, the uh, black uh, black Nazi, black, um, what's it, black, black skinhead, uh, black skinhead. skinhead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that, that scene was just awesome. Yeah. He he did. Well uh, yeah, there was a lot of good, and the, there was a lot of good action in the movie. It's it's not. I'm not expecting like this epic story. It's not Lord of the Rings. It's not you know. It's nothing like. It's a movie. It's a comic book. Yeah, yeah it's a comic <laughs> book. But again, and this is where the comparison is going to be made to other Marvel properties that have depth. You know, you compare it to Ant Man. You compare it to Captain America: Winter Soldier. Captain America: Civil War. Guardians of the Galaxy. All of them have heart and also tell a good story. But what Marvel does that's a little bit different is, you know, Ant-Man, essentially, and I was actually talking about this a little earlier. And they got the mouse behind it now. Right. Well, that, that too. That's they have Disney behind it. But no. Ant-Man is essentially a heist film with superpowers thrown in. Captain America uh, Winter Soldier is kind of like a Tom Clancy novel with superheroes thrown in. It's it's just, it's different. It's different. Um, this is a, a pure superhero, you know, villains become the good guys type of thing. Um I can't think of her name. Viola Davis. That's mm-hmm. what it is. 
Amanda Waller. Unbelievable. She played yeah. that character to, to perfection. Such a bitch, but she's so conniving. Yeah, she's confident, too. and she's conniving, and she's pulling the string. She's a puppeteer, and she was awesome. Margot Robbie. Oh, yeah, Anybody want to talk it. about her? Uh, yeah. Her she, Holly. she stole the movie. Yeah, every time she was on. It was really her vehicle. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, as a red-blooded American male, I loved the outfit. Um, that is like the most cosplayed outfit yeah. right well, now. Well, that's oh, like yeah. go on Twitter and stuff, yeah, and it's like all knows. over the place. That's what they're saying. There's a, there's a meme right now online. You know, Halloween 2016. You're gonna, gonna see like, like a million Harley Quinns. All Jokers, <laughs> all, all Harley Quinns, and they're all gonna look like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like that look. So With those booty shots. Yeah, <laughs> and again, depending on the, the type of girl, I don't come. I yeah, don't depends on the girl. <laughs> you know, again, but you know, you know what? No, not even what type of girl. If you're confident, just wear it. Do it. Uh, yeah, Be you. Be you. Who cares? Geek it out. Yeah. Um, my I did like the little nod to the old uh, the Harley Quinn jumpsuit. So yeah, yeah. so there there was the scene with her and the Joker, and I can't remember the artist's name, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be so mad um, when I can't I can't think of his name when they're dancing, and that's that's an actual um, an image where it's she's wearing the uh, original Harley Quinn mm-hmm. costume, and her and the Joker are like waltzing, and I I somebody's gonna hit me up on Twitter and, and clarify that for me. So anybody listening that finds that out, I want to say it's Alex Ross. Now that I'm thinking about yes, it, yes, I think. Ross sounds right. Yeah, I think it's Alex Ross. I just, but correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, that was cool. There was a nod to her animated series with the, the jester, and you know, a lot of people were up in arms about like, why is she going to be wearing this like you know this like ripped t-shirt and these booty shorts and whatever? Why can't she wear the original jester costume? We saw a flashback on that, and to be honest, I'm quite glad that they went the other direction with it because that jester costume, while it's cool like in comics and in you know animation, the cartoons and whatnot. To see it live action, yeah. I don't think I think it would. Take it wouldn't me be out realistic it. in all the combat scenes and in stuff like that. It just wouldn't be realistic. Yeah. it wouldn't look right. Yeah, on the big screen, no way. Yeah, but I, I like you said, With they the gave nod. it a little just nod enough. To it. Just so enough. So when yeah. when they're when they're uh, being recruited, for lack of a better term, she's going through all her gear and she has her old uh, Harley Quinn costume. And she has and the mallet excellent. and the mallet. And uh, so that being said, let's let's go into any other final thoughts on it because I don't want to go too much into it, but I want to. I did like every time she says pudding. Yes, <laughs> so again, a nod, a nod to to that as well. I I just the last thing I want to say is just like don't listen to the critics on this one. Like just yeah. get a get if, a feel for yourself. I'll, I'll put and it this way. Like I said, when I went into it, I said screw the critics. I'm just going to try and, to enjoy and this. people. Oh, actually, there's one other point that I wanted to make. Go for it. Um, it, it's a little off, but so Snyder's been involved in all of these so far. Yes. What do you think of? Should they get rid of him going forward or try to get rid of him? What do you think of what he's been doing oh, to, in his role? I think I think it's not – I don't know if they need to get rid of him. I just think they need to tighten the reins a little bit. You don't have to go – again, the movies don't have to be so dark. I know a lot of people like darkness all the time, but it's just like you know, Batman, Batman was dark. Superman, Superman, who is the most – Hopeful and and hope instilling Should hero. Yeah. It shouldn't be a, a dark emo like brooding movie. We don't want brooding Superman. We want the Superman that fills people with hope. And you know, and again, Superman is overplayed, and people hate Superman for the most part because they think he's overpowered. And I get that. But those are the movies, like the the Christopher Reeves movies, were were very. Um, you know, they, they have the old tag, you'll believe a man can fly. Because, you know, when that was made, it was just he encompassed Superman. And and I get that there's different characterizations, just like there's, and this is going to bring me to my next point, um, when we talk about characterizations, that's going to be what we call a little segue. Um, but I agree. I think that the reins need to be tightened a little bit. He actually directed one of the scenes in that movie. He directed the scene. he produced most of the movie, right? Right, and but he also directed yeah. the scene with Ezra Miller as the Flash uh, capturing Captain Boomerang. 
But that's kind of weird. So he directed a scene. He directed scene. one scene. Um, so again, I don't know. Uh, I think it doesn't have to be as dark. I think, you know, the Justice League movie, if it's if it's super depressed, like cause even the Avengers had like very darkness, but there were bits of humor in there as well that was more lightheartedness because it's a mix of characters. Because even look at like Aquaman. Aquaman's already being portrayed from the trailers it's as very like dark. super dark and edgy. Yeah. Wonder Woman, the same, you know, and, and I saw the Wonder Woman trailer. I don't know if you've seen that yeah. trailer. Sorry, they're they're incorporating a little bit of humor into that, and I'm like, that's that's all you need. You don't have to be super dark all yeah, the they time. M- they may have found a new formula with Suicide Squad in the way that they edited out scenes to make it you know more of a you know comedic at times type movie, right? More lighthearted, like Marvel has done, and they were really probably trying to do the opposite of Marvel when they started this DCEU, mm-hmm. and that's why it was so dark at first. And they found they stumbled upon maybe a good formula here of a new way to go about it. Yeah, and I also think that the Christopher Nolan movies, Dark Knight trilogy, also impact how DC went forward with right. these movies and making them darker because yeah. they kind of to replicate what he did. I, I think they just can't let the shadow overshadow the stories, right. and right, and that's and that's, 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 that's the that's the scary part is that that could be their problem. Yeah. So as I was saying with the segue with the interpretations of that with it being the darkness, let's talk about the other elephant in the room. What do we think of Jared Leto as the Joker? I it, go ahead. It, it wasn't. Uh, I mean, obviously, it wasn't Heath Ledger. But everybody tries to live up to that. Anybody who plays that role from now on. Well, there's going to be unfair comparisons. It's going to be unfair comparisons, and the actors themselves are going to try to live up to that because they know the level that that was at. Because you heard about him doing all these like practical jokes and pranks and yeah. trying to get in character and all this crap he did to get in character. Um, overall, I don't. I don't think it was too bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It was passable. Yeah, it, it was good. But it was good. But it wasn't. That's. Yeah irking me a little bit about the Joker. I it's, I feel like this is going to just continue on going forward, is that everybody that plays him is going to try to do their own thing with the Joker. And the Joker is already a great character. Everyone's trying to change it every time they portray him. Yeah. The, there's been different iterations in the Joker, though, of the Joker in the comics. In the comics, and I so, get it. So this, if this is going to be more like the, the mobster Joker that has his little gang of guys that do his own thing, as opposed to the anarchist joker of heath ledger like i think leto killed it to be honest i think um for his iteration the interpretation of it everybody was harping on the look again i'm not i'm not a how do i want to word this i'm not a stickler i i don't mind it when you know the movies change and alter a little bit I'm not like this is the way it's in the comics, so it has to be this way. On the, I, I'm not yeah. like that. Um, you know, as long the, as it's a good story. I was going to say something on the flip side of that. You know how we've talked about Joker's origin, yes, and how Joker kind of has no origin, right? And I think a lot of people who don't read the comics only have like one or two visions of the Joker. Where us who read comics are more, we translate that differently. It's like, oh, you know what? He can look a little different. We don't have right. a big problem with the that. The casual fans yes. that you know, or the ones that that saw. Heath Ledger's version and that's the only one and they've never seen the Nicholson version or they've never seen or even the, just the different comic ones. The, or the Mark Hamill version I'm, I'm thinking yeah. media or even if you go back to the 60s the uh, Cesar Romero yeah. version they, they're all different iterations and this one was more of a like a gang leader type of thing he's like a mobster and he's got his crew and he's tattooed and whatnot and I wasn't a big fan when I saw it but I was reserved judgment for the film, and I didn't think it was that. I didn't think it was. It really impacted his character at all. It made him stand out as different, and it fit the film too. Yes, I I, I think the next question will be: Is that going to do well as its own standalone product? Well, yeah, it was great for this film, but as a standalone, can you see a whole film 
of him being that way. Like I'm was, wondering, thinking was, about that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say in this movie there was just the right amount of Joker yep. for me. Yeah, I'm glad they cut scenes because he was, he had the right amount. Just like with Batman, there was the right amount of sprinkle of Batman in the yep. movie, the right amount of Joker sprinkled into it. Well, speaking of Joker and saying you ha- you thought it was just the right amount, let's get into some of the deleted scenes that they actually cut out a lot of Jared Leto as the Joker. Um, there was going to be an extended scene when the Joker was interrogating Captain Griggs, uh, where he was finding out where Harley was and whatnot, including the line which played in the intro song, I can't wait to show you my toys, which was in every trailer, but it was removed from the movie. Yeah, sue them. <laughs> <laughs> there was another scene with Joker and his men escaping after shooting up a restaurant. Harley, who was already affiliated with the Joker, follows them on a motorcycle and intercepts their car. Joker bangs his head against the glass in frustration. So that's starting to show that the um, relationship between Joker and Harley, the way it's portrayed in the movie, was actually going to be a lot different because he's getting frustrated by her already. Joker and Harley then get into a fight, which ends with Harley pointing her gun at the Joker's head. Joker then sweet-talks her into lowering the gun, charming her, and then backhands her across the face. Afterwards, he sweet-talks her again, and they kiss. So again, it's going to show that the, the abuse, the mental and physical abuse that he has and the hold he has over her. Um, there was going to be an extended Batmo, Batmobile chase scene uh, with more interaction but with the Joker and Harley. One of the examples presented in all the trailer is Joker punching the roof of his car, which again didn't happen in the movie. Um, what else? is There's some other good ones. Uh, Joker and Harley get into an argument after he rescues her in the hijacked heli- helicopter. In the early cuts... Instead of uh, pushing her out to save her, uh, he pushes her out to kill her before the thing gets shot down. Um, So apparently it was reworked into the helicopter getting shot down first and the Joker pushing her out to save her. Um, And then he was actually supposed to return as the helicopter crashes. He was supposed to return in the final battle in the subway station with his face half burnt from the helicopter crash, which leads to a brief altercation with the squad. He calls for Harley to escape with him, but she refuses for once in order to help her friends. And the Joker escapes after throwing a live grenade at the group to cover his his own escape. So he was basically going to be a second protagonist for the most part. And they cut that out of the movie because they didn't want it to be as dark. So very interesting type yeah. of things. And they turned it into a love story. Really. And they did. And they did. And then for certain other characters, uh, we talked about the, the brief character descriptions. Early reports actually indicated that there was going to be more uh, of a backstory for Killer Croc revealing that his entire life he lived as a social outcast due to his physical appearance, and he convinced himself that he is beautiful in his own way. He then crosses paths with Batman while working as a muscle for hire for numerous Gotham crime bosses while secretly planning to take over one day. There was also going to be several scenes of him displaying his affinity for making sculptures out of discarded materials. Um, So basically is he's going to be kind of like a tortured artist almost like he's got a soft side but he thinks he's beautiful and they they did leave in that one scene in the bar where he goes baby uh, i'm beautiful yeah, or whatever yeah. he said yeah <laughs> so there was a lot cut and I, i'm wondering if they were tr- like again i think they did a lot more for humor so that's that's kind of interesting so any thoughts on some of those deleted scenes would have been a little much yeah all that joker right. stuff but it'd be it'd be yeah. a different movie totally it'd a different be a, movie. yeah so that's why they they cut a lot of that out and so. i think it's a good movie that they did because then it would be kind of confusing with the two different storylines going on with the enchantress and then with the joker right. too yeah. right so it, it would be like two plots in one movie right and just too much difference yeah and it would be a lot darker definitely and i think like i said before it's much more enjoyable when it's not as dark 
Okay. Well, speaking of enjoyable, before we go to break, I'm going to just go around the room here. Um, out of 10, 10 being the best, one being the worst, what would you rate this movie? Mike? Eight. KB? Eh, seven and a half. I'd give it, I'd give it a seven. And, you know, I, I gave uh, Batman vs. Superman a four, but I, I don't think it's a perfect movie, but it's a very serviceable hey, movie. I gave Batman vs. Superman like a negative like, well, 10,000. Well, there you go. But I think, I think they're, they're on the upswing. They're doing something right now, and, and they're getting back into the swing of things, and hopefully this is what... This is the first movie that's going to turn the DC Cinematic uh, Universe around. So I'm very looking forward to see what they do with The Flash, what they do with The Batman, Justice League, Wonder Woman looks amazing from the trailers. So I, I have hope for the future. But folks, we'll be right back after some quick messages from our sponsors, and we'll get into the final countdown. <laughs> Are you ready to upgrade your office space or living area for an affordable price? Stop by Pachico's Furniture, where you can expect a delightful shopping experience, all while saving you some of your hard-earned money. 
Pachico's Furniture specializes in used furniture, antiques, jewelry, electronics, video games, Blu-ray, DVD, musical instruments, and much, much more. Whether buying or selling, we strive on being Fall River's finest second-hand store. Pachico's Furniture is a family-owned and operated business located on 663 Bedford Street, formerly Billy's Cafe, in Fall River, Massachusetts. Come on by, you'll be pleasantly surprised. And welcome back to Free Your Geek. Again, J Free, KB. What's up? There we go. There we go. <laughs> I was too busy looking at the invisible woman. Oh, sorry. I was checking gorgeous. out your girlfriend for too tonight. B- too bad. Too bad. She's uh, yeah. If she looks like Jessica Alba, I don't care. Mike, what's up? Hey. All right. So we're back after break, and now it's time for my favorite segment of the podcast, where we do a little bit of uh, ranking and our we call it the final countdown. The final countdown and our topic for this week's final countdown is the top three antiheroes. So KB and I, I think we, we were talking about this a little earlier. I think we, we stayed more in the comic realm. But Mike, I believe you went outside that too, which is awesome. I did. Yeah. So we're going to start with Mike, start with his number three, and then we're going to go to KB's number three and then my number three. And I'm all comic heavy, but I kind of spread the uh, love around to the, the big publishers and whatnot. But... Starting with number three, Mike, your top three, number three spot anti-hero. Okay, I stepped away, like you said, from the comic book world, and I went w- more with TV series. And <laughs> my final countdown also correlates to a final countdown you did a few episodes back in the nostalgia episode. Oh, nice. Where you said, uh, what was it, the top three shows that are not on the air anymore? Correct, yeah. yeah. Right? So these go together with that, so it's like a double countdown for me. Oh, so so before, before you give it... Folks, go back and listen to that <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> it's uh, called NES, the Nostalgia Entertainment Enter- Show. The Entertainment Show. Yeah. So thank All you right. for that plug, Mike. Go yeah, ahead. No problem. So my number three is an anti-hero. And again, an anti-hero is someone that is a main figurative role in whatever, any whatever media, comic, movie, TV show, where they don't do exactly what you expect a good guy to do. All right. So my guy, number three, was a man who was a womanizer. He drinks during work. He cheats on his wife. He drives drunk. He mistreats everybody in his life. And this man had a great run on a television show called Mad Men. <laughs> and he is Donald <laughs> Draper. Nice. That's a great number three. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be Donald Draper sometimes? Well, right. And, th- and again, <sighs> that's the thing with antiheroes is you love them because you can't really be them in real life. And... Donald Draper exudes that. You want to be him, but you know in reality you can't get away with the things that he does. So my number three, Donald Draper. Nice. That's a great that pick. That is a good pick. KB. I, I wouldn't even think of that one. Um, like like we said, you know, we're kind of staying more in the comic book realm. Jay Free and I, um, I had a kind of hard time at my two and three because they were like, oh, which one's two, which one's three? Um, so my number three is actually Rorschach from The Watchmen. Like Rorschach is just one of those characters that he's just – He's always trying to do the right thing, but he's so brutal. And there's like, it's no nonsense. It's like absolution. It's done right there. Um, the scene that really kind of catches me was when he's in prison in the Watchmen movie. And he's like, he, he takes the, the friar 
he throws it in the guy's face and he's like, I'm not in here with you. You're in here with me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this guy is out to do the right thing. And here he is in this situation and just doing this. Um, and then the end of that movie, you know, he, he, he wants to do the right thing so bad out of all of them. He's the only one who has the balls who's good. He's like, no, I'm going to say this, you know, with when they, they, um, you know, if you've seen that movie, the whole thing that goes on and him telling on the other guys about, you know, how they, how they killed, you know, millions to save billions. It's not going to go into all that, but he has the balls of, of the anti-hero. Um, and, uh, he also is, he's also very, you know, good friends with Night Owl, which is pretty cool. Night Owl is like the opposite of him. Um, and saying, Hey, you know, I'm, I know I'm hard to deal with. Like he even knows that he's insane. He knows that he's, he's crazy. Um, in the mask. The, 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 awesome. the mask Moving is just around. ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Rorschach's my number three. Very interesting pick, KB. Uh, my number three is a gentleman that started off as a villain. Then he became a hero. Then he became a villain again. And now he's on the heroic side yet again. Uh, he lived in Germany and actually in Poland during the Nazi invasion of Germany. He watched his mother, father, and sister executed. He survived and started a family. And then once they discovered that he was the dreaded M word, a mob burned down his house, burned down his house. I can't talk. Burned down his house with his child still inside. This is a man that is basically the antithesis of Charles Xavier. He's a man by the name of Magneto. His belief is that mutants should be the dominant species, so he's still sticking up for the rights of mutants. But rather than uh, go along with Charles Xavier's peaceful coexistence dream, he says, no, mutants should dominate these humans. Uh, Homo sapiens should be dominated by homo, homo sapiens superior. Pretty much all these mutants should basically take by force be, as they are the next evolution of man. And it's... You know, his methods, he started his own brotherhood. And, you know, it was kind of cheesy back in the 60s, the brotherhood of evil mutants. Now it's just the brotherhood, and it's it's a little bit more... Um, There's a parallel there with that. In history, you have Malcolm X, who was the civil rights proponent that, you know, was really more of, like, use an action and all that, where you had Martin Luther King. Black Jr. Panther. Right. Yeah. Black Power. Pacifist. So, you know, maybe they got that from that. It's it's you're absolutely you could be absolutely right, but it's, it's the brotherhood. It's, you know. it's such a good character in the fact that he is considered far and wide a terrorist. He's a mutant terrorist. He hijacks missiles and and, and whatnot in the comic books. That was the first adventure that the X Men went is to fight Magneto, who was about to launch some missiles. You know, in the first X Men number one, nineteen sixty three. But now, if you look at comics now, he's kind of like the spokesperson. In the movies, you never know where he's standing in the movies. Exactly. So right. he, he still wants mutants to survive. It's just his methodology of doing so c- comes in direct conflict with Charles Xavier because Xavier is like, we should all find peace with one another. We can coexist. And Magneto's to the point where, no, we can't coexist. We need to dominate. We need to take over. And But he's also a figurehead for all these mutants, for lack of a better term, that are being like, uh, you know, being like tortured and, and bullied and and just uh, I can't think of the word. The outcasts right can go yeah, to him. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's he's taking them in and he he creates by force. He creates a safe haven and Genosha under his rule. You know the government grants him uh, sovereignty over Genosha and it becomes a safe haven for mutants. And it's like he did all that by being a terrorist, but he's protecting people. So it's just it's a cool dichotomy um, on how. Xavier and his best friend Magneto kind of have an outlook. Interesting. Now yeah. in the in the recent Marvel, his his um 
his relationship and his thoughts on Inhumans is well, now a whole different thing. Well, that's that's something we can yeah. get into, but Inhumans, yeah. basically, uh, and we won't touch upon that, But and I haven't been keeping up, but I'm assuming it's a negative? Uh, yeah, yeah. So... So Inhumans are, are different than mutants in the sense that they use the Terrigen Mists. To, um, to gain their powers. The Terrigen okay. Mists kill mutants, and yep. they can harm mutants. So, of course, that's going to come into conflict with Magneto. Um, but that's my number three. We're moving on to number two, going back to Mike. All right, like I said, sticking to the TV series theme on my end here, and we're going to move on to a man who, again, these ain't the heroes. These are guys that you want to be, but you can't be them because, you know, you get thrown in jail, you'll ruin your life. <laughs> But uh, this man is a guy who was on that verge of being arrested at all times. He was r- running a great business, waste management business in New Jersey. That's Tony Soprano from The Sopranos. Great anti-hero. You fell in love with the guy when you watched that series. Very first episode. Yeah, right from the start. Yeah. And you see him do all these bad things, but then you see how tender he is with his family. And you see that balance. And... Again, that's that's an antihero right there. Someone that is doing wrong, but at the same time, you're rooting for them. <laughs> it's like, in fact, speaking of it, it's like that very first episode, they run over the guy with the car. Yeah. Alexis, he's like, what are you worried about? You got HMO. <laughs> right. You got an HMO. <laughs> yeah, so that's Tony Soprano's my number two. And the Sopranos, again, my number two show that I miss. That That's a great pick. That's a great pick. Um, so my number two. Um, still saying the comic world, another DC comic. Um, this character is actually very interesting. Um, he's super intelligent. He's super strong. He has um, superhuman strength, speed, <laughs> whatnot. He's always trying to do a good thing, but however, he's done a lot of bad things. And he's he uh, basically um, caused his whole race to go extinct. He is immortal because he was kicked out of hell. Hell said, we don't want you. Sent them to heaven. Heaven's like, we don't want you. So now you're immortal. Um, Lobo. So Lobo's not really like a, a popular mainstream character. Um, but he is um, <laughs> he is one of those uh, characters that's very entertaining, very comedic. I think kind of like like the Deadpool in Marvel. Um, but he's just one of those characters. I remember reading like just back in the 90s reading his. It was like the first time he used a lot of the words because they couldn't really curse a lot. So he'd use like frag. Instead of you know, instead of the f bomb, uh, bastitch instead of bastard. Like I heard all, all these little slangs, um, and he he also paired up a lot with the demon, with Et- with Etrigan. Um, so really, just interesting character, and I hope we see more of him. Like we just seen him in the Injustice game, where that was the most recent I think we've seen him outside of comics. Um, and like I said in the show earlier, he's rumored to have possibly a movie. Um, so very very good character. Um, you know, beefy, strong, uh, fights with Superman a lot. But still, he, he tries to do the right thing a lot. So it's it, it's very it's very um he he's on that fine line. I mean, if you get kicked out of hell and you get kicked out of heaven, you know you're <laughs> and you just want to do the right thing. I think that's kind of what an antihero is. You know, nobody wants this guy, but yet he's still you know and he does it and he does it brutally too. So uh, he's my number two. My number two is a DC, and it's, he's considered a hero. Um, he was first discovered. And uh, Mike, you you might know where I'm going with this. He was first discovered trying to steal tires off the Batmobile. Batman I know found exactly him where you're going with this. and adopted him as Dick Grayson was spending a lot of time uh, as Robin in the Teen Titans and then eventually became Nightwing. So this man was the second Robin. He was an orphan. And then he found out that he, who he thought was his mother was not 
his real mother. He ended up tracking his birth mother down, who then sold him out to the Joker. The Joker beat the crap out of him with a crowbar and then planted a bomb in the warehouse that he and his mother were in, and it exploded right before Batman got there. This man then was resurrected through uh, Superboy Prime, was actually trapped in a paradise dimension. He punched against the barrier that was holding him in. It caused time ripples. And this gentleman, who was the second Robin, was brought back to life inside his own coffin. He clawed his way out and then wandered amnesiatic and fell into a coma. He was then rescued by Talia al Ghul and put him in the Lazarus Pit, where he regained all of his memory. He was so upset that Batman did not avenge his death, he became the first known identity of the Joker, a man by the name of the Red Hood. And his beliefs is he believes that Batman doesn't stop criminals, he just slows them down. So he becomes kind of like a Punisher, the Punisher type. He puts criminals down. But he also runs his own criminal empire. In the comic books, he takes over a lot of the gangs and he starts selling drugs. But with the caveat that you never sell to children. So he's still got this moral compass, and he's still making his money, and he, he gets the ire of the Red Skull. He wants to take down, not Red Skull, I apologize, Black Mask. I had the whole skull thing in my mind. <laughs> Red Skull's right. a Captain America. Yeah, <laughs> there's no edits here. We're going live. Uh, but um, Black Mask, he wants to take over Black, Black Mask criminal organization, and he wants to use that, the gangs that he's assimilating and to take down the Joker. So he's also going into these... These things where these this different methodology, these beliefs where he wants to take down criminals, but he's also using the criminals to his benefit to get revenge on Batman. But he also wants to take out criminal scum that is selling drugs to children that is, you know, robbing and hurting people and stuff. So it's it's a very fine line. And now with the the new 52 and then the, the rebirth stuff, he's more of they, they've lessened a lot of that. But he used to be a stone cold killer. And that was just a, such a cool uh, character arc for the Red Hood. Yeah, it was nice the first issue of Rebirth actually rehashed that memory of him robbing the Batmobile. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Really, really cool. So that that's that's my number two, Red Hood. All right, my number one. Number one is Walter White. Breaking Very Bad. cool. Yes. Very Walter cool. Walter White. Now, I don't have to get into all of it. You know, he started off as a mild-mannered teacher, and he had to break bad. And he did it to the extreme, became one of the greatest villains in tv history and the, the thing the thing with any of the heroes again is that there's only so many outcomes for them and it's usually bad for anti-heroes yep. you know because the morals of the story is always that it doesn't pay well for donald you. draper it wasn't well <laughs> it was a little strange i'm gonna bring that up yeah it was strange he found spirit spirituality and whatnot and found peace all at the same time he was going to still make money yeah and he came up with that coke ad but yeah, it, you either you're 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 gonna die, you're gonna go to jail, or there is that possibility of redemption. So that can happen with anti-heroes. And Walter White, he never found redemption. He totally broke bad, and that was the greatest part about that show is that it really was a culmination, and he did end up breaking bad and staying that way until his death. Walter White, my number one, KB. So my number one um, is Spawn. Nice. So Spawn, Image Comics, uh, McFarlane character. Um, <coughs> great thing about Spawn, uh, why he's the anti-hero is, you know, here's a guy who was a killer in real life, and then he dies, goes to hell, and just wants to do anything he can to see his wife again. And Nabolja, the, the devil, says, 
Okay, yeah, great. And just like any deal with the devil, there's, you know, there's um, things attached. And it was, he has the body of this zombified, mummified body. And he has, you know, all the powers of a hell spawn, which is a general in, in hell's army. Um, soldier general in hell's army. Um, so he's just a great anti-hero because, you know, here's a guy who comes back from hell. And he still does a lot of Malbolge's work for him, the stuff that he has to do. But you'll always see him, like, saving civilians, saving the bums in the alley that he lives with. Like, they look to him for protection. So here's a guy who, you know, in real life was a killer for the government. So he was a killer, and he was a killer for trying to be a killer for the right reasons. The U.S. government, you know, disabling missiles, things like that as a spy and things like that. Um, assassin to assassinate, you know, um, politicians that are a problem. So he was trying to do good in, in real life and was being bad. And same thing in the afterlife. So I think that's that's a true definition of an anti-hero, just somebody that's, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, doing bad to do good. And he's doing that both in the life and the afterlife. So, yeah, so Spawn is definitely my number, uh, my number one. Well, KB, my number one uh, top three anti-heroes, my number one spot, um, is going to sound very familiar. Uh, but this this is a uh, a person who his mother was a prostitute and used to abuse him and was very condescending yep. toward him. Uh, he was removed from his home at age eleven, yep. and he was sent to the Lillian Charlton Home for Problem Children, where he excelled in gymnastics and boxing. Yep. He left there at age sixteen and started working in a, in a dress factory as a garment worker. Yep. And then after reading about the rape and murder of Kitty Genovese, he lost faith in people, and he actually made a mask from the material of a rejected dress. He became the vigilante known as Rorschach, who is my number one. KB knew it. Yeah, I knew it. I called it. <laughs> did you? I did. I called it. I'm like, I bet you it's Rorschach. Yeah. Because the so way you said, do you, the way you looked at me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, as we're recording, KB, I didn't realize Rorschach was going to be on his list. I thought I was going to outsmart him. And he, <laughs> it's his number three. It's my number one. So as soon as you mentioned that, I kind of gave him a look. Um but uh, let's do some, uh, some of his methodology. He originally was just a, a regular vigilante, left criminals alive, um, let the police take care of him until a young girl was kidnapped. And this was discussed in the Watchmen mm -hmm. movie. And I'm going to play a little audio clip for you in a moment uh, regarding him. Once he gets arrested and he's put into the prison, yep. he recants the story about how he turned from Walter Kovacs to Rorschach. It's a scene with a therapist, right? Correct. Yep. Correct. That's my favorite scene of yeah. the movie. Um, but he found, he found that the girl was murdered, and he was fed to the murderer's dog. So he ended up breaking in, handcuffing the murderer to a stove, poured kerosene on him, and then lit the house on fire, leaving behind a cleaver to cut himself free. And the guy never came out of the house. So he says, Walter Kovacs came in, Rorschach came out. That's my number one. Jumping into the audio clip from the Watchmen movie, it plays out a little bit differently. Instead of setting the house on fire he he basically takes the cleaver and caves the guy's head in but you'll hear that in the clip so we'll be right back after this you want to know about russia i'll tell you about russia i was investigating a kidnap case blair roach six-year-old girl i was young then too soft on criminals I let them live. Broke a man's arm to get a tip. Led me to the missing girl's location. What the f***? Who the f*** are you? What the f*** do you want? You think I had something to do with that girl? I found that. What evidence have you got? That's nothing. Okay. I confess. 
kidnapped her. I killed her. Arrest me. What? Arrest me! I did it! I said I did it! Christ! Look, I've got a problem, man. Take me in. I need help. No, don't! Don't do that! Take me in! No! No! Men get arrested. Dogs get put down. Tremors of impact shook my arm. Warm blood splashed my face. Whatever was left of Walter Kovacs died that night with that little girl. From then on, there was only Rorschach. See, Dr. God didn't kill that little girl. Fate didn't butcher her. Destiny didn't feed her to those dogs. God saw what any of us did that night. He didn't seem to mind. From then on, I knew. God doesn't make the world his way. We do. So that's my favorite scene from Watchmen and and, and Rorschach. Just a like a, a this. To, he he comes from a place of good, but he has no qualms about just killing. He just it's you put him down. So again, th- a, a hero, uh, uh, you know that doesn't do heroic things. An anti-hero. So that's my number yeah. one. Um, so any other complaints, issues with the lists? You know what? I I wonder what Red Hood and Ro- would think of Rorschach, and I, what vice versa. I think I think Red Hood, current Red Hood, would be scared of Rorschach. Uh, Old school Red Hood, because yeah, they, they kind of have the same beliefs, but then yeah. Red Hood's doing his thing. Yeah, so he's he, Food for thought. Rorschach would probably think that Red Hood is, is still a criminal scum yeah. because he's still selling running gangs and, yeah. and selling drugs. Yeah. So we'll go from there. Um, so now we're going to throw up the bat signal. Uh, so this is where we're going to plug anything else. So I don't know if Mike, if you want to plug any of your shows, Hurricane on, Run of the podcast, Hurricane Run of Wrestling on Fifty Nine Media, all the other great shows on Fifty Nine Media. Um, any Twitter, Facebook, anything else you want to plug? Yeah, mpru83 at, you know, my t- that's my Twitter handle. mpru. mpru. pr. Okay. mpru. mpru83. KB, uh, Covers of the week, you stole my thunder, brother. So yeah, so this oh. week on our Facebook page, I, I was waiting for KB to put up his comic covers of the week that I, I waited till like 11 o'clock and you didn't do it on that Wednesday. I said, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to have to step I up. I was seeing Life of Pets with the lady. So. Oh, were you? Okay, so <laughs> where my, my invisible woman is right here, yeah. KB actually has a fiance. Um, so he, you know he's doing fiance type things, soon to be wife yep. in the next couple of weeks. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of cross that bridge as far as co-hosts go when we get to that. Um, Check out our website, jfreethegeek.com. Check out our Facebook page, yep. Free Your Geek Podcast on Facebook. Our Twitter, Free Your Geek. Um, anything else, KB? What else do I usually plug? Uh, I think that's about I it. Think, I, think I think that's think about it. I think about covered it, man. Okay, so we're about to get out of here. Um, KB, I know you like to do the things. that You gave it to me last time, but <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Start your weekend with your geek friends and get your geek going. Later, folks. Thanks, Mike, for being in here, Thank too. Thank you. Take care, guys. Thanks. Biggest boss, and I've been in Trillis. I'm a bigger problem when I click with Skrillex. Murder on my mind, it's time to pray to God. My revolver's not religious, the revolution's born. You wanna know my name, then go and tell us all. You wanna know my gang, Suicide Squad. Pistol on my waist, I might make a mistake. Headshot, headshot, oh my God, am I crazy? Drugs every corner, this is Gotham City. Kill a crop, can't even kidnap you to cut out your kidney. Ain't no mercy, got that purple Lamborghini lurking. Rose, so she know that's worth it. 
Hooded Rolex at the Grammy Awards. They still selling dope, that's those Miami boys. Killers everywhere, it ain't no place to run. Forgive me for my wrongs, I have just begun. Ain't no mercy, ain't no mercy. 